What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Comics Interverse. My name is Dalton Wires, joined as always by Tom Westfall and Alex Brooks. And we still have Andrew with us in the studio today. Uh, picking up with Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Ninth film in the MCU continuity, third in Phase 2. And in most of our opinions here, and we're going to get into this, this is where the bar has been set moving forward in terms of quality films. Largely in part by the directors here that were brought on, Joe and Anthony Russo. I know Andrew and I could sit here and talk about them for an hour, so we're going to try to avoid the subject. Produced by the, once again, the great Kevin Feige, $177 million budget. Again, a little bit lower than the ones we saw previously. Gross on this one of seven hundred and fourteen point four million. What did we see that was at Andrew on the list a minute ago? It was like in the twenties, right? I, I want to say it was in the twenties, and I'm actually shocked. I I thought it would have made a lot more than what it what it did, but that might be coming from coming riding the coattails of of uh, Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. So that may have affected it a little. So still top twenty all time grossing movies. Pretty good. Uh, rankings on this one. Uh, I guess I'll go first again on this. I've got it at number one. It's my favorite MCU movie. It brings so much to the table. Like I said, it really sets the bar for all those going forward. And this is, I don't want to say this is the rubric with which I grade the rest of the MCU movies, but I mean, it's it's a solid flick. What do you think on this, Andrew? I, I think it's one of those where it it's uh, you could easily rewatch it multiple times, maybe even in the same day. Um, if there is a night and day difference between movies directed by the Russos and not directed by the Russos. And this is definitely a turning point in the MCU when they stepped in and, and made this movie. I, I, I would put it high up on my list. Tom? It's up there. I don't know why. I just haven't seen it. Uh, I remember liking it. I mean, I really like all the actors, and I love Zola. I love Zola's character. Uh, I love the guy that got to play him. I love the way they integrated in. Excuse me, integrated him in this movie. Uh, I love that Black Widow plays a huge part in it. Just and Falcon. I mean, just everything. I I really liked it. I don't know why. Uh, I haven't rewatched it. It's weird. I don't know why. So you've only watched it one time. I have only watched it once. You are missing out, dude. In the theater. Like I mean, in 2014 when this came out? Is that yeah. When it came out? Yeah. Yeah, March of 2014. It came yeah. out in March? That seems a little weird. It's been six Oh, April years. in the United States. You haven't watched this movie in six years and you're prepared to do a podcast. I commit. Hey, I'm, uh, I didn't say I was prepared. I said I'm going to do it. Did anyone say me? I didn't say prepared. Well, you got me. Okay. Alex, what you got, man? I got this at number seven. That seems low. It, well, yeah, compared to your number one, it's <laughs> low. So, I, I really, I, I did enjoy Winter Soldier. Don't get me wrong. It just wasn't, it, to me, it wasn't in my top five. Because, like I've said before, I enjoy origin stories. And granted, this one does have the origin story in it. But I just didn't enjoy it overall, <clears throat> overall as much as the others. I did, however, like that this is another instance of the MCU taking people who are not well known 
and turning them into someone who is a phenomenal actor. Sebastian Stan did an amazing job in this. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Before 2014, he was he was not in a lot of big time films. I mean, he was in Hot Tub Time Machine as a supporting role in The Covenant back in 2006, but that's about it. Yeah, they definitely turned him into a star, and I didn't know who Anthony Mackie was either. But I, I recognize him now. He was in an episode of um, Black Mirror, and I was like, "Holy crap! It's the Falcon in Black Mirror." Never but did talking watch. To, oh, you need to watch Black Mirror. Pretty good. Uh, but talking about the characters in this one, we get a few new ones. Uh, as we just uh, mentioned, Anthony Mackie comes in as the Falcon, great supporting actor. Um, Frank Grillo as Brock Rumlow comes in. This is going to be one of those <laughs> villains that is very underused. But we'll still talk about the great performance Frank Grillo gave. Emily Van Camp comes in as Agent 13, Sharon Carter, and Robert Redford has a nice villainous role in this one, Alexander Pierce. And we'll talk about those. Uh, cameos, we got a few in this one. Um, Stanley, once again, as a Smithsonian security guard. Uh, Andrew, what did you think about this cameo? I thought it was pretty funny. I, I actually really loved it this cameo there there's a list of not so great there's one that's just absolutely abysmal and there's others that are that are really funny this happens to be one of them um great one-liner um and and it's one of those where i love stanley and just this cameo it i love alex did you think this one was pretty good uh yeah i i thought it was pretty good but at the same time it was short. I mean, most of the Stanley's cameos are short, but this was what a one-liner. If I remember the cameo correctly, yeah, he just says, "Oh man, I am so fired," because he notices that Captain America has stolen his own suit off of the dummy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Anything to add on this, Tom? I do remember that line. I do remember. It's pretty funny. Uh, it is one of the better ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least he's not holding up a piece of paper that says 10 on it or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I do like that he gave him a speaking part. <laughs> I just imagine going to a Smithsonian or something and seeing Stan Lee as a security guard. It kind of cracks me up. That's a good one. And then Toby Jones as Zolo. That's probably uh, more favorite ones. You, said. you just said you like Zolo, right? Oh, yeah. I really like Zola. Uh, I think he's a really cool character. I think Toby Jones did an excellent job as him. Maximiliano is a long-ass first name. Hernandez, also a long-ass last name. That dude's got a long name. He plays Jasper Sitwell. Very short-lived character, but has some very important lines that we're going to talk about. And then Gary Shandling comes back as Senator Stern. We learn a lot about him in this flick. Andrew, take us away with the plot, man. All right, starting off the plot, two years after the Battle of New York, Steve Rogers is working in Washington, D.C. for the Agency Shield under Nick Fury while adjusting to contemporary society. Rogers and Agent Natasha Romanoff are sent with Shield's counterterrorism strike team led by Agent Romanoff to free hostages aboard a Shield vessel from... Georges Batroc. Thank you for that. And his mercenaries. Uh, mid-mission, Rogers discovers Romanov has another agenda to extract data from the ship's computers for Fury. Rogers returns to the Triskelion Shield's headquarters to confront Fury and is briefed about Project Insight, 
of three helicarriers linked to spy satellites designed to preemptively eliminate threats. Unable to decrypt the data recovered by Romanov, Fury becomes suspicious about Insight and asks Senior S.H.I.E.L.D. official and Secretary of Internal Security Alexander Pierce to delay the project. So this is a pretty big opening. Um, you didn't go off on how much of a fan you were. I, two things out of out of just the intro. The sheer badassness of Captain America as he's jumping out of the plane with no parachute um, into this mission uh, and single-handedly tanking, taking down most of the mercenaries on the ship is just an awesome way to start this. And the villain at this point uh, is played by George St. Pierre. Um, and I am a huge GSP fan. He's one of the, one of the first fighters watching in, in the ultimate fighter. Um, there's actually a reference later on in, in the movie to it that I thought was pretty cool. And I think that the little twist at the beginning where you see that the because agent, well, I guess I can't say agent captain America, agent Rogers, but, Rogers and Romanoff, they don't have the same mission here. Like they're at the same place, but Romanoff's got her own little side piece and takes kind of Captain America by surprise here. I think that really starts to show that there's some issues going on with Shield. I concur with that because I, I did like that they did that. Um, I remember watching, thinking, you know, it's weird that they wouldn't tell Captain America what she's doing. At least brief him, saying, "Hey, she's got a separate mission." No, that it was kept hush hush on purpose. Uh, especially when you see what she's securing and stuff later on. Yeah, it kind of brings into question, does, does Fury think that Roger is um, compromised? Does Fury think Rogers is compromised? Yeah, because he didn't, didn't share the intelligence with Romanoff, or the intelligence that Romanoff had a separate mission. I thought that maybe... Um whoever gave Romanov the mission was compromised. Like it might not have been Fury. Oh yeah. That's a good point. It never does actually say. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I I guess just from prior movies, I assume the, the taskings come from Fury. Well, yeah, whenever uh, Fury and, or whenever Cap is confronting Fury about it, he says that he sent Romanov with a different mission. So we know what she was doing. That's a little bit later on though. I think it's right. a little more where he gave the mission, he gave two separate missions. I think if he had told Cap at that point that Romanov has this mission, he may have acted a little different through the through his mission. Um, and if he had done that, would she still have been able to complete her mission uh, to the point that she did? That's a good point. And there's a good reason for the compartmentalization, I guess. Moving on a little bit, uh, so we go from this badass intro scene to one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. Uh, we see uh, Nick Fury driving this badass uh, big old truck, and he he gives the little line, "You want to see my lease?" And if if Joss Whedon didn't write that line, then I'll buy somebody lunch. He had to have written that. That's got him all over it. Um, but uh, he's ambushed by a bunch of assailants led by the Winter Soldier. And they basically flip his truck and he uses his badass. I don't even know what you'd call it. It's not a lightsaber, but it works almost like a lightsaber. And he cuts his way out and he escapes and he goes to Roger's apartment and he's warning Rogers that shield has been compromised. And whenever he's in the apartment, a gunshot comes out of nowhere and we see that he's been shot. 
and we find out that it was the Winter Soldier, and this is one of the coolest chase scenes in the entire MCU, in my opinion. In the entire cinema. <laughs> in all of cinema? That's a, yeah. that's a big saying, but you know I can't disagree with it. And whenever Captain throws the shield at him, and he just turns around and catches it and throws it back, I had chills. When uh, Cap, I love when Cap uh, catches it and he kind of goes back. <laughs> he like, slides back a little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's just an altogether from you go from Captain America's intro and him being badass to Nick Fury coming in and just being Nick Fury. And I think at this point you haven't really seen too much of Nick Fury doing what he does, and and you get a deeper look of just how awesome he is. And then you go into the chase scene and. Uh, it's just, it's phenomenal. It, it's such a great start and continuation in this movie. Well, we see that Fury's been assassinated, uh, working on him in the surgery room, and he's pronounced dead at the surg- in, during surgery. Uh, and Hill takes the body. Uh, and then the next day, we see Pierce summon Rogers to this Triskelion because we know there's going to be some confrontation going down. And at this point, we all believe that well, none of us really believe that Nick Fury was dead at this point, but they right. wanted us to believe that. That was one of my gripes that I have, and I didn't list it down there, but seriously, who believed Nick Fury was dead? <laughs> but, it I mean, it resulted, he used it to his advantage, and we'll talk about yeah. that. He used the assassination to his advantage, for sure. Moves on, Tom. All right, when Rogers withholds Fury's information, uh, Pierce brings him a fugitive. And uh, that is the cool elevator scene that we all saw in the uh, trailer and everything. When uh, he uses that line, uh, before we get started, does anyone want to get off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like, what was it, like seven guys in the elevator with him or something like that? Ten, and, I believe. Oh, man. They just brawl. And that is just a really cool scene. And they did a really good job with the in there, too, uh, with all the uh, crescendos and everything. So uh, he hunted, he gets hunted down by Strike, and uh, Rogers meets with Romanoff, and using data in the flash drive, they discover a secret shield bunker in New Jersey where they activate a supercomputer containing the preserved consciousness of Arnim Zola. I thought that was awesome. I didn't see it coming, and I was like, that is badass. Uh, Zola reveals that ever since S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded in World War II, Hydra's been securely operating within its ranks, so in global chaos with the objective of making peace and making humanity surrender its freedom in exchange for security, which is like, what's it called? Oh, big conspiracy uh, book. 1984. You got me. There you go. Just, uh, it, it's just like all the big conspiracies, you know, it's basically what we're all coming to with all the webcams and everything on everything. I love that line. I love the whole uh, plot point of this part of the movie. Uh, the pair nearly escape death when a shield missile destroys the bunker and realizes that Pierce is Hydra's leader within shield. So Alexander Pierce is the bad guy. Indeed. And I think that the the scene in the Apple store is like yes. Steve Rogers is, is so hilarious in this scene. Like we're getting married. We're going on our honeymoon. Oh, we're going to New Jersey. Yeah, it was New so Jersey. good. And the guy that played the <laughs> Apple guy, that played the Apple store guy, was also awesome in this. Yeah, I got to wonder how much Apple paid Ford uh, to have that product placement in there because they did a really good job. And then the um, uh, 
it was it there that she kissed him? Uh, they were leaving the mall, yeah, and they saw Romlo circling, and they had to kiss to make him turn his head. And uh, then uh, Romanoff says, "Was that your first kiss, 1945?" And he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't get over how quality this movie is. It just just up to this point, and this is why it makes the top of my list. We talked about nearly every scene, and there's nothing that we said we didn't like so far, right? And I know we're not all the way through it, but damn, this is some quality cinema. Dude, I'm totally going to rewatch this after this. You need to, man. And let's talk about Zola. This is like, it's an old um, World War II bunker, right? In New Jersey. There hasn't been anyone down there in a while. And there's something that this summary left out is that down here, they also find out that um, Carter was one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is where they find that out as well. And they didn't even touch on that in this description. No, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, they talk about her quite a bit. And uh, I love that they keep alluding back to her in all these movies. They mm-hmm. don't just drop her off that you're never going to see her again. So Rogers and Romanov enlist the help of a former Air Force pararescueman, Sam Wilson, who Rogers befriends and acquired and acquire his powered Falcon wing pack, so thus the Falcon is born. Deducing that S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Sitwell, Jasper Sitwell, is a hydra mole, they force him to divulge that Zola developed a data mining algorithm that can identify individuals becoming threats to Hydra. So let's talk about that scene for a minute. They've basically kidnapped Jasper Sitwell, they've got him on on the top of this building, and Jasper Sitwell calls out Captain America. He's like, what, are you just going to throw me off this building? That's not your style. He's like, you're right. And he steps out of the way. Black Widow kicks the dude in the chest. He falls off the building. He has no idea that the Falcon's going to swoop up and catch him. And I I thought that was so great. I thought it was great. And a good way to introduce us first seeing the Falcon actually in action. Fantastic. It It's one of those where... You kind of have the same thing, completely different with with Batman. There's some. It's one of the things that I thought about. Um, Captain America is not a guy that's gonna kill somebody, or you wouldn't think that he would. But when he steps aside and it's Black Widow, it's like, yeah, she she definitely will throw me off this building. Um, <laughs> but then the intro for for the Falcon, I I can't really think of a better way to to introduce him at this point. And we actually missed his real introduction. Uh, as Sam Wilson at the very, 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 very beginning, where he's running around, where Captain America's running around him. On your left. Uh, on your on left. Your left. Yeah. On your left. And that, beca- that that comes back into play later on, too. Oh, yeah. I love that line. Yeah. The insight, health carriers will sweep the globe using satellite-guided or satellite guided guns to eliminate these individuals. Rogers, Romanov, and Wilson are ambushed by the Winter Soldier who kills Sidwell. During the fight, Roger recognizes Winter Soldier as Bucky Barnes after uh, Captain knocks his mask off. And Bucky Barnes is his best friend who supposedly fell to his death on a mission, but was actually captured and experimented upon after World War II. I have a problem with this because if you remember it, he fell from a train going, I forget the speed they said. But so fast that they had a 10 second window to get on top of it. And he fell what appeared to be a mile high. Right. Onto ice. And, yeah, onto ice. And he lost an arm. 
like that has some impressive resiliency or there's something more to Bucky Barnes that we don't know. But uh, up to now, we just know he's human. Mortal. Yeah. But it, anyways, that's, that's, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Hill manages to extract the trio to a safe house where Fury, we now know, had faked his death, is waiting to plan to sabotage the helicarriers by replacing their controller chips. All right, and before we talk about that, we actually need to go back a little bit because there was more to talk about. Uh, we had some name drops here. Uh, Stephen Strange, namely, was the one most people caught. And I know that we at this point we didn't have Doctor Strange at all. Um, but he was name dropped. And then what is what is the exact line that he says? In, a newscaster in Cairo or something? Yeah, it, it was a newscaster in Cairo. And then it mentions a high school valid, valedictorian in Iowa City. Um, Secretary of Defense. Um, most of those you can kind of figure out. Oh, and Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your Hulk reference, um, your Doctor Strange reference. Um, the Cario one is, uh, there's a couple of characters they could be referencing it. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about either Storm or Apocalypse, um, which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, they've talked about uh, Moon Knight, who we all know is coming now. Um, so you've got a kind of quick shout out real, right there to to look at. Very good Easter eggs here. Um, and then, so we talked about that he would use it to his, that Fury would use this uh, assassination attempt to his advantage. We find out that during the surgery, he he took something to like really drop his heart rate down to pretty much zero or something like that, and they pronounced him dead. But I guess Hill was in on it, and she's the she took the body for that reason to down to the safe house. So the whole world thinks he's dead, um, and this is something that's going to come into effect later. So and he surprises um, everybody whenever he comes out and just walks in and ends up killing Pierce. But this is something Alex, you said you had an issue with this, right? And then now we learn that it's something different. Was that issue resolved whenever we found this out? Yes. Yeah. The the initial uh the initial return of Bucky is what I had an issue with. But since they kind of fixed that it it was no longer a problem. Tom, did you have anything to add? No, I don't got anything dead to this part. I don't have anything negative to say. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. My number one is being justified as we go. Stupid yeah, positivity. I think it's kinda of hard to go in and, and take something something negative out of it there there's just so much good even if you had something bad to say it, it it's outweighed um real quick before going into the next point um when he was having the surgery they also mentioned uh bruce banner with the serum that slowed his heart rate down to basically where he was dead so yeah you've had multiple Hulk references at this point you'll have multiple iron man references um in the movie throughout it um so going on uh after the world Security console members arrived for the helicarrier's launch. Rogers broadcast Hydra's plot to everyone at the Triskelion. Uh, Romanoff, disguised as one of the council members, disarms Pierce. Fury arrives and forces Pierce to unlock S.H.I.E.L.D.'s database so that Romanoff can leak classified information, exposing Hydra to the public. Following a struggle, Fury kills Pierce. So what I wanted to bring up about the beginning of this scene is the World Security Council is is on hand here. Is this the same World Security Council 
that war is dumb enough to issue a nuclear strike on New York in the middle of the battle of uh, the Avengers movie. I'm pretty damn the, sure it is. Is that the same group of dumbasses? Percent, it is. So we get to see some of these people. That's awesome. There's other people that are that are obviously the most, but mm-hmm. this would be the group that complete dumbasses. That's the first thing that whenever they said World Security Council, I was like, "Is this it?" And I just wanted to touch on that real quick. I like the uh, technology they used to disguise uh, Romanov's face in this as well. Yeah, the uh, like it's part fabric, but part uh, like LED monitor or something. I don't know what you'd call that. I don't know either. Looks like an old Star Trek, actually. They did a really good job with Blackwood. Um, like I like I mentioned earlier, Captain America just coming in, being him. Nick Fury almost got an upgrade with with how much screen time he got, and just seeing how awesome he is. And really, with Black Widow, it it's shown more of her character and just how awesome she is between uh, that scene. Um, we didn't even touch on the fight between her and the Winter Soldier. Oh, I know. Um, there was even uh, when she when she told her her story about she had a mission and she was protecting um, the guy. I, I'm a little loose on it, um, and all of a sudden her tires were blown out and she has her, her guy she's protecting and the mm-hmm. winter soldier showed up and put a bullet through her. And she has the line about, um, mm-hmm. I'll never be able to wear a bikini again. Yeah. And shows her. Um, she had a lot of cool moments throughout the movie. So much to touch on and we're not going to get to all. But meanwhile, Rogers and Will stormed two helicarriers and replace the controller ships, but the Winter Soldier destroys Wilson's suit and fights Rogers on the third. Rogers defends him off and replaces the final chip, allowing Hill to take control and have the vessels destroy each other. Rogers refuses to fight the Winter Soldier in an attempt to reach his friend, but as the ship collides with the Triskelion, Rogers is thrown out onto the Potomac River. I love the the line there when Rogers is fighting him and uh, he keeps trying to reach Bucky. And uh, he tells him, well, then finish it. And he goes, because I'm with you to the end of the line, which is a line from Captain America, I believe. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what uh, Bucky said to him. And you can see that it strikes a chord in him. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, I think, what cool. ends up resulting in him pulling him out of the river, I think. Yeah, exactly. They show the scene with him getting pulled out of there. Uh, really, a, really a cool scene. And Sebastian Stan it did a fantastic job. I, I going off of that with the law you had your next to to the Captain America movie. Um and, and I loved when they were going into this final mission and Steve Rogers tells uh Falcon at that point that he needs a suit and out of all the things that he could take, he goes back and takes his original suit uh from the Smithsonian. Um and I think he kinda had that set up in his mind, not necessarily the line, but he knows he's going to have to fight Bucky, and this is another way for uh, him to almost bring Bucky back to who he is to help him remember. Um, I thought that was that was just one of those that maybe not everybody picked up on. I didn't pick um, up on it. I didn't that either. That's a really good point. I didn't think That's about awesome. that at all. It may have not even been intentional, but at this point, there's so many things that have been said or happened um, that are intentional for things that happen later, so I thought it was really cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. I didn't catch that. 
The Winter Soldier rescues the unconscious Rogers before disappearing into the woods. And with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Array, Romanoff appears before a Senate subcommittee, while Fury, who everyone still thinks he's dead, heads to Eastern Europe trying to pursue the rest of Hydra's remaining cells. So Rogers and Wilson decide that they need to go find the Winter Soldier, while Rumlow, who was a double agent for Hydra, is hospitalized following the Triskelion's destruction. And I know a lot of people have pointed out uh, that it's like a little hint to his uh, identity as Crossbones whenever he's being pulled out um, yeah. on the stretcher, and he's got the little X on his like his straps. I think that's a cool little call out. Um, yeah. When's I the next time we see him? Is it Age of Ultron at the beginning? Whatever he he shows up as Crossbones. I think it's Age of Ultron. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I had because I I recognized his name, and one of my friends points out that it was Crossbones. And like right there at the end of the movie, we were watching it together. And I'm like, oh, look. And he's like, oh, dude, you're right. <laughs> well, that pretty much wraps up the plot. So before we move on, guys, I want to go back to Crossbones. Uh, just to square up something, we actually don't see Crossbones again until Civil War. Oh, it's Civil War. Okay. Yeah. That's a good call out. I was just thinking that it was like a, a I knew it was. A, and there was, I know Wanda was there. So I immediately went to Age of Ultron. But yeah, you were right. It is Civil War. Yeah, because in, in Civil War, uh, they're in, uh, what is that country? Sokovia, yeah. Yeah, they're in Sokovia, but we'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah, you're right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the plot. As we said, there's not a whole lot of negativity. Panel, we all really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I have it at number one, and it's going to continue to stay there. I would be very surprised if something dethroned it. Very surprised, but hey, very happy as well if the MCU continues to pump out quality films. Um, getting into the post credit scenes here, this is another one of my favorites because it introduces one of my favorite characters in Scarlet Witch, and then we get Quicksilver as well. We see Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. He's at a Hydra lab, and he proclaims it is the Age of Miracles because he has um, taken two twins, and he's pretty much given them, I guess you would call them superpowers. In the comic books, obviously, that's not the, that's mutations, and they're born with this, but you can't say the word mutation in the MCU up to this point. So obviously Quicksilver's got superhuman speed, and I guess they call them telekinetic powers that Scarlet Witch has. Not exactly accurate, but we can get into it later. And then you got the Bucky scene where he just goes to the Smithsonian and he sees his own memorial. I have, going off of the twins, kind of a big deviation from comic-wise. Um, anybody that knows any Silver, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, as you find out later who, who these two are. Um, at this point, Marvel doesn't control the X-Men, so you can't have the their, the offspring of Magneto. You can't have the mutants. You can't have any of that. Um, there was something else I had. Um, I will, we'll get into that. It's not actually a post credit scene. Oh, it's not? Okay. Um. Well, it looks like Tom's Wi-Fi has dropped out, guys. So we're gonna have to do the next part without him. Um, gripes and grins section. Um, I had a lot on this one actually. Um, so they really muted the humor in this one, and they really adopted a more tone. And I think it was a good turn, especially after all the forced humor they had in Dark World. 
Um, obviously, there was a couple of funny scenes in this one, but for the most part, it's just a great action flick. Um, I loved that Black Widow was basically just a second lead. That I mean, she could have had a subtitle in the title of this film. It could have been, you know, Captain America and Black Widow, the Winter Soldier, and I would have that. Um, Falcon and Sharon Carter both had great supporting roles in this. Uh, Winter Soldier, I, you can't really call him a villain, so I'll, I'll just call him an antagonist for the first part of the film. And then Robert Redford, I think he actually played a very good villain, and he's the first one other than Loki that wasn't completely wasted before he got offed, in my opinion. I, I would disagree, though, that up until the up until the turning point of the movie, I would call Loki a villain. You would say he's a villain. I would say he's a villain because up until that point. He's not, he's not Bucky anymore. He is yeah. the Winter Soldier created for destruction. So the Winter Soldier, in my opinion, is a villain. But until we discover that he is Bucky, or until Cap discovers he's Bucky, I think up until that point. I've actually got a lot of things, uh, and a lot of it is just um, throughout the movie that were just either funny or or made me think of stuff that is for the future. Um, it's always interesting going all back and rewatching and, and watching some of these pieces come together. Um, some of them uh, you had uh, when Fury, uh, he says, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, um, which is kind of funny because what happens to his eye? And it's just thinking about the last time I trusted. Someone, and it, I, I thought it was hilarious thinking about that moment. Um, with Peggy Carter, um, it was a heartbreaking scene watching Cap talk to her and just watching the, the dementia, um, take hold and, and he tries his best to keep a straight face and be there for her. But she specifically says the world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes our best is to start over. And to me, it's something I, I wanted to have thought much about. At, at this time, if I had only watched up to this movie, but after watching all the way through Endgame and Spider-Man, it's almost taken a completely different turn with the events that happen. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that hasn't seen it, but um, it's, it's just something picking up on. Um, Fury getting attacked uh, while he's still in the vehicle. It, another one of those funny lines where weapons down but the AC works. Um, <laughs> everything else, absolutely. But he has good AC, so never have to worry about that. Um, we covered Cap's line, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then the the only other two things I had um, after uh, Captain America and, and uh, Romanov kissed, um, he said, I'm 95, not dead. Um, I just thought that was a, a hilarious line. And then uh, a little more on Falcon um, when they show the reports for it. And he's got the XO7 suit um, looking into that a little bit more. And he talks about his wingman, obviously. Um, Try to do a little bit more digging into that to, to bring up the other XO suits. Um, but it makes a little bit of sense with it being the last one with, with the amount of damage with the uh, the cost, the loss of lives, because these are highly skilled um, agents at this point that are using these suits. And if one one goes wrong during testing or during a mission, you've just lost a, a very valuable asset. Um, so, like I said, a lot of really cool stuff. 
there's nothing I can go in uh, to say that it was that it was bad, um, with the exception of of the Falcon jumping out of the building. Um, and he, I forgot what floor he said he was, but like it, the floors aren't aren't marked on the outside, and he has to kind of twist the helicopter. Yeah. It, it's an odd moment because uh, I'm thinking you know he's going to go right to the blades at that point, but um, it's it's funny enough. It's unrealistic. Funny enough that that it works. Another thing we didn't even touch on was Captain America holding the chopper. Like whenever the chopper's trying to fly away, he's holding onto the, pulling it together. Very, that was, very that was cool. I'm sure there's something else that we missed in this film. There's so much jam packed into this. Yeah, I thought his uh, his jump from the elevator was really cool. Like he jumps yeah. from what appears to be like twenty or thirty stories. And just lands on his shield, rolls over and groans, and then just shakes it off. There was actually one of the guys that was in the elevator scene. Um, I watch uh, several other other videos, um, and now I'm drawing a, a complete a complete blank on who it was. But they they had one of the stunt doubles uh, that was in the elevator, and they they talked about recording the scene and just the amount of work that had to go into it. Um, and it, it's really interesting seeing some some of the behind the scenes stuff on on that stuff. No, I was just gonna say you can definitely see the amount of uh, the amount of work that these actors and supporting roles put into these movies. You know, it, even the even the stunt doubles, just the choreography behind all of the action scenes is impressive. It's so good, guys. This one, it'll I, I would be very surprised if it was ever dethroned as much a movie. I hope it happens, though. Uh, last segment that we've got is the translation, which is where we talk about how this differs from comic books and comic book origins. So I've got a few points here. I want to talk about Crossbones for a second. Aside from the Red School, Crossbones, which in this movie he's only referred to as Rumlow, uh, it's one of the more popular villains in Captain America's Rogues Gallery. He's basically just a mercenary who grew up on the streets of New York, and he... I'm pretty sure he works for the Red School at most most of his life, but he does go rogue for a while. Um, a little underutilized in this film, he'll be underutilized. But anything to add on that, Andrew? No, it's just another one of those great villains that you just don't see a whole lot of. Alex, are you familiar with any uh, crossbone storylines in the comic books? No, unfortunately, like like I said in the uh, the first episode. Iron Man was my introduction into the MCU. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I've ever done is watch the movies. I'd really like to read the comics. I just don't have, I'm not a big reader and I don't really have the time to read the comics. So your translation segment is really interesting for me and seeing how the, how the comics translate to the movies. Well, cool. I'm glad at least someone's getting something out of it. Um, Sam Wilson, we'll talk about him for a minute. He was originally a social um, and he has like an innate ability to communicate with birds. Um, and he, he dons the, um, the Falcon alter ego to help fight cap fight the red. And his costume was very, very different in this film. Um, honestly, I think I've seen a promotional poster that uh, for this uh, upcoming Disney plus series that looks a little more true to uh, the comics, but I guess that's TBD at this point. Um, but, uh, Anthony Mackie is 
not going to be talking to birds at any point in the film, honestly, because that's another freaking Fox Studios screwing everything up. We can't use anything to do with mutants. So, Red I, I Wing, think, I, go ahead. I think the problem there would be is if he was talking to birds, I think a lot of people would have too much of a uh, Dr. Doolittle vibe. Well, it's not so much as physically talking to them, but so much as being able to influence action. Like you see at the beginning, I'm, it must be Civil War, the same one where we see crossbones. You see his little drone that he's got? In the comics, mm-hmm. that's an actual bird. And he oh, can, okay. Yeah, so it's not so much the Dr. Doolittle vibe. I see where that comes from, because maybe I wasn't explaining it very well, but it's more like that he can influence their uh, their actions. It's more, more of a control. Yeah. It's one of those where I think when you look at the translation from the comics to the movies, this is one of those that makes a little bit more sense because oh, you yeah. would have people that would go in and okay, he can he can talk to hawks, he can do this and that, and get info and use them for missions and all that. But when you come over and he has his drone, basically, it makes a lot more sense. He's he's got a suit from Tony. He it's upgraded. Um, it makes a lot more sense in the MCU than if you dropped in the comic version, which obviously they don't—they didn't control X Men or mutants. They can't use that part of it, so it's one of those translations that they make work, and mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Oh yeah, no issues here. Just pointing out the differences. Definitely a, one that's a, makes a lot more sense, as you said. Um, and then when we're talking about the Winter Soldier. Greatest Captain America related characters to ever be created, and um, it was created by Ed Brubaker. And I have the entire Baker series on my bookshelf, ten feet from me right now. I've read it a couple times. I love it. Steve Epting does the illustrations; it's fantastic. And introduces the Winter Soldier basically as as he is in the MCU. He's an assassin who is periodically woken up from his deep freeze by a KGB agent. We're taking out specific targets, and we see a lot of that in the MCU. Not so much yet in this film, but I mean, it's fairly true uh, to the storyline here. Anything to add on that? Our soldier is just um, a fantastic character. I mean, they they did justice to him. Um, obviously, there's there's some things later on um, with the Captain America mantle um, being a little different in some of the storylines, but uh, for what we have at this point, I, I can't argue with anything. And he ends up getting his own entire comic book storyline as well. Mm-hmm. He gets a solo character. Alex, anything to add before we sign off, sir? No. I mean, uh, as far as the movie goes, like like I said, I don't have anything against this movie. I just didn't enjoy it as much as the other. So that's why it ranks where it does on mine. You know, and, and now going through the movie, it might change a little bit on the rankings, but not much. But, I mean, it was still a solid don't get me wrong it was it was phenomenal i believe this is definitely the bar would you agree with that like the bar to set for movies yeah like this is this is the top at this point of the mcu like this is what everything is this is setting the stage for everything to come this is the real yeah, in that retrospect, it is. Um, granted, as far as you know, I I think that they they have to from this point on they have to incorporate a lot more in the movies to make them successful. 
I think you start seeing that in the in the upcoming movies. I, I think at, at this current point, disregarding everything that comes after it, the only movies that could even hold a candle to it are Iron Man, and that's because it's the first one and it sets everything off. And the Avengers, and that's only because it's the coming together of everybody and, and it just has its awesome moments. Um but when you compare it to to this, this is the turning point. This is the, you can almost argue the start of phase two and, and disregard the last two movies. But everything just continues to get better after this. I concur. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us on the Winter Soldier. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, be sure to stick around. We're going to get through all these MCU Black Widow release, whether that be May first as planned. Or if it gets pushed back, we're going to get them all done. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, so you can never miss an episode. And then catch us on all the available platforms except for Apple Podcasts. We're still not there. Come on, Apple. Get your shit together. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Click. Catch us on your preferred app, and we will see you guys next time.